Be big boom. Ready as ever. Are we ready? All right, bro. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Welcome to the Unpaid Nobody's Podcast. One second. That's a good start. <laughs> Don't reference it. We cut it out in post. Anyway. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Unpaid Nobody's Podcast. We got a guest here today. Jeff, introduce yourself. Yes, you have yours truly, Jeff McHugh. I work for a radio station in McCarran County, Illinois. And, yeah, like, uh, what else? Friend of the show. Friend of the show. He's he's usually at the heart of a lot of our shenanigans. Very true. I mean, I have known known Brandon since fourth grade, so. Yeah. Yeah, me and Jeff go way back. back. We go way back. We go back. Yeah. The OGs. Yeah. Yeah, I saw my first rap show with Jeff. Yeah. yeah. What was that? It was Schoolboy Q, Kendrick Lamar, Mac Miller, and Wiz Khalifa. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. The Under the Influence Tour. Yeah. Yeah, way back, way back in the day. It was 10 years ago this year, 2012. Oh. It popped across <laughs> my uh, Facebook memories. Jesus it was Christ. like right around this time. It was like end of July, 10 years ago. Well, I Why? hate that. Purvis, run down the news. <laughs> a, a, a quick turn? Okay. Um, <laughs> for sure. I'll just jump into it because I think it's going to be a pretty straightforward episode. Um, oh, yeah. We're talking about Lala. That's why Jeff is here. Uh, right. Remember yes. last week? When we said like uh Purvis wasn't going to Lala. We yeah, li- that changed the point. Yeah, we lied. We <laughs> lied. Like, that was a straight lie. You thought I wasn't gonna go? <laughs> I edited yeah. and posted the podcast like the next day, and by the time we were done, it was already not true. <laughs> like Right. It's like it was just a straight up lie. Um shout out to my guy, Riley. He got me a ticket for very cheap, but I did go on Saturday, so we're gonna kind of break down Lala this week. Yeah, and um, the insane. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you guys did four days. Yeah, anyway. we're gonna talk about Lala 2022 specifically, but I think also the conversation may taper off into just like Lala the institution. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but first we're I gonna guess... run through the news. New yeah, albums, yeah, we'll, new we'll everything. start off. Um. We have Eminem releasing Curtain Calls 2. I believe this is just a collection of, like, hits. I, I wasn't entirely sure. Um, I can speak on that. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's going to okay. be, like, his first greatest hits. Like, yeah. Curtain Call okay. 1 was his greatest hits. going to be his greatest hits from everything that was post-Curtain Call. So, so it's going to have Godzilla with Juice Re- World, and that's it. Relapse. <laughs> Pretty much. It, it, it's a double album, like, 3 a.m. on it. Sheesh. I guess I should ask them because I don't know. When was the first curtain call? <laughs> was it oh, like, this was early like 2000s. 2000. Yeah, it was like 2006. Yeah, something like that. Sheesh. Okay. No, from not like even early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh five, oh six. Something like that. Yeah. Like we got a little it. bit. Oh, but I mean, that was I good. In, yeah, I remember being in middle school getting it. Like that was my first. That and the game documentary. Those were the first two rap albums I bought. That's not bad. Yeah, those yeah are, that's a pretty good start. Pretty good start, yeah. Especially because that's like the good half of Eminem's career. 
Yeah. Well, we'll let's see how it goes. You never know. It might be okay. <laughs> it is kind of crazy to think about like how old Jeff was when like Eminem already released the greatest hits. So what would actually end up being his greatest hits? Like, <laughs> right, literally. Yeah. Um, I guess another one that's coming out. Calvin Harris is dropping Funk Rave Bounces Two. We kind of touched on this like two or three weeks ago. Yeah, we did. I'm very excited. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a fun album. You know, I think the last few years, like I don't know if it was the pandemic and then like the rush to fill everything after, but it just feels like there aren't summer songs anymore. Yeah, and, and you, that's just what I want, and that's what Funk Wave One was. I mean, I'm definitely here from it. There's a couple of bangers from that first one that's coming out, and then. I don't want to say there's been a shift because it's only been a couple of people that's been doing it, but I feel like house music is coming back. Um, and I feel like there's going to have a, a decent amount on it. I could be wrong, but I feel like he kind of touches over that. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I like his last album. Yeah, the last Yeah, the last Funk Wave was a lot of fun. That came out the year after I graduated college, and that was that was a party album. That was a fun one. Exactly. So yeah. this will be a nice little refresher to end off the summer. Right. Um, we have NBA Youngboy, the last Slamento. Oh, the goat uh, dropping? Yeah, sure. Yeah, like the greatest <laughs> of all time, NBA Youngboy? The biggest lyricist of this generation. Kendrick LaHue? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I always give a shout out to the young people coming up. So yeah. I'll uh, eventually get into it. <laughs> yeah, I'll eventually get to it. He's I dangerously can see him being approaching. At Lollapalooza. Eventually, oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. He's uh dangerously approaching that like freaking 15, 20 album on SoundCloud. I mean on Spotify, so Oh my god. It's, it's becoming kind of too much, in my opinion. Um and then to end it off, we have Dochi coming out with the the EP Hearse or she slash her slash black bitch. So Dude, Dochi is super talented. That this is probably uh, of the of the four. This is gonna be the one I listen to first. Not just because she's so talented, but because it's an EP, and that means it's also gonna be the shortest. Yes, be easy, um, easy listen to. Yeah, so I I definitely bias towards short projects, but really excited to hear what she's doing coming out of PG Lang. Mm-hmm. Is this the first major release by PG Lang? Um, I You're not think, major. No, this is because they were on both of Keem's. They were on Mr. Morale. <coughs> I guess I thought Mr. Morale was under TDE. It's under both. I thought. Interesting. I really don't know. Yeah, because like those imprints, you could have multiple on an album. It was his last album on TDE. It was his last. Yeah, that's on what TDE. I was going to say. Yeah, but you could okay. be on multiple imprints. I yeah. see what you mean. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Like, uh, it could be on both. Uh, what was Kid Cudi's It was, album, uh, right? it was, I know it's, oh, fuck, it's on the one Indica. we saw him Yes, Indicud. Indicud, yeah. That was on, uh, Good Music, and then Kid Cudi went on his own and put it on his yeah, own and it was label a, also. And it was supposed to be on both, and then there was the fallout, and it just went to his. Yeah. Because I remember, so like, the one early that, ones, you got. Yeah. If you got one that says good music, that's a uh, very rare find. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's yeah. actually pretty dope. Yeah. So cool. excited to hear her. We'll definitely be checking out Calvin Harris, too. That'll be a fun one. Yes. Eminem, I'm good. 
I'll see what's on there just to see. I, I'll see what's on there. Like, look, I, if there's a song that I like that's on there, it's not like I'm going to stop liking it. But like, safe to say, the guy's career is not what it used to be. I don't know. Are we allowed to, as a fan? You know, I'm just curious. Do you think, like, as fans, we should kind of edge people out of the game once they hit a certain point? Yeah, I feel like we already Which do, part- but yeah, we should. Like. <laughs> Once you put out a greatest hits, I think that's when you just call it quits. Which is like why, I, which is, Jeff, yeah. I I completely agree. Which is why I thought it was so weird that Kid Cudi put that one Kid Cudi just did it because exactly. like that's the thing. Cudi is still relevant. Like it's not often that someone is putting out good music and still puts out a greatest hits. Exactly, it's so weird to me. I feel like with Kid Cudi's though, it's him getting ready to step into a different phase in his career. Maybe, but you know, ultimately though, I think he's still putting out like really good music. I think he's put out really good music this year. I'm very excited for the project that's coming. Yeah, that's coming up soon. Yeah, and like he just has a really long career. I don't bemoan him putting out multiple greatest hits. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Honestly, he probably could have done it sooner. Where would you draw the line? If it's sooner, where do you? Where's the cutoff? Oh, you know what? Like, I'm I'm fucking biting my own tongue as I say that because, like, I would probably put the cutoff at Man on the Moon three, but that's like where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. That's huge. And yeah, you include all the stuff that was woven in through Man on the Moon three. Man, what a three album! Jesus Christ! Yeah, what a three album run! Kind of crazy how much stuff is in between those albums, though. A lot of good, a lot of bad. <laughs> yeah. A lot of worthwhile stuff, though. Really interesting career, that guy. We'll have to talk about it someday. <laughs> God, I'm dreading that kid, uh, the Kid Cudi episode. It's You're dreading like it. I'm the five... one who edits the episodes. Like... <laughs> I'm just saying, it's going to be like five hours. We're going to have like four guests want to come on. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've had multiple people be like, let me know when you do Kid Cudi. I'm like, bruh, you and, like, other people. Yeah, we're going to have to have, like, a council. It's going to be, like, <laughs> like, a school board meeting. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that could be our, like, 100th episode. Yeah, our 100th episode will be a roundtable about Kid Cudi. Like, maybe that's when we'll start doing video. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? Uh, um... But I guess going on to the singles, this caught me by surprise because I just didn't know this was coming out. But The Weeknd has a song featuring Summer Walker called Best Friends. Do you know anything about this? Uh, so Best no. Friends was a uh, track off Dawn FM. So I assume it's a remix. Oh. But I and it's one of the best songs off Dawn FM. It's so good. Okay. Yeah, I've rec- right. I recommended it on the first episode. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's one of the best tracks on that album. So I just... I know. Yeah, it's a remix. And Summer Walker, that's fun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. After that, we have DJ Khaled featuring Drake and Little Baby called Staying Alive. I I saw the promo where he was discoed out. It's like... Yeah, it's going to be a hit. If it was... Actually, fucking like disco music, I would love that. But yeah, it's gonna be a hit. <laughs> yeah, like, there's gonna, no way it's you're gonna not. hit it on radios for the next couple of months. It's gonna be on rap caviar for like the next year. 
Uh, yeah, that's going to be forever. Yeah. Taking little baby. Um, <laughs> after that, we have Trippy Red featuring Offset and Money Back. Yo, it's something called Big Fourteen. I'm very excited for that. That's gonna that's high. gonna that's gonna blow out some speakers. That's gonna be a bang. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think I've told you about this, but like his last uh, album left me on an extreme high. I love Trippy Red right now. Oh, you do? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I don't know. I, I've always liked this music, even though it's kind of like that sad boy music, kind of in a way. It's very but, emo. Um, yes, very emo. But even the more recent stuff is a lot of energy coming out of it, and I, I love that album. Uh yeah no I mean I I'm like very I don't know maybe a little bit on I'm, I'm kind of neutral on Trippy Red really maybe veering a little bit positive <clears throat> do you recall anything negative at least because you know a lot of people in his kind of group has a lot of negative characteristics that just that like it's kind of whiny and one dimensional. That's kind of the thing is like I feel like it Trippy Red has like a really cool aesthetic and a really cool approach, but it's very one dimensional and I feel like it gets played out. Um Okay. Yeah, and that's then the last two I have for that. The last two I have are kind of some more younger people, so I just fly through them. I have Snot coming out with Immaculate, and then we have Little Tekka coming out with Faster. Um, I haven't heard from Little Tekka in a very long time. Who's Little Tekka? Little Tekka has a lot of like big TikTok songs. I'm trying to think of a song that you would immediately recognize. Um, God, that's gonna kill me because I know you know who Little Tekka is. Jeff, do you know who Little Tekka is? Uh, name sounds familiar. I haven't really heard of their music. I'm gonna have to see, but regardless. Both of them are coming out with some tracks. There's some of the younger people in there, so I'm excited to see him back and see if he can actually stay somewhat relevant in his own lane. Um, All right. I mean, yeah. if I hear it's it, new. I mean, like, if you're like, hey, man, listen to this song, I'll be like, yes. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll, I'll check it out for us. All right. Purvis, talk to me about what you want to talk to me about. I know this is what you want to do. Um... I mean, there wasn't a lot of news, but, you know, we're going to have to throw this in there. Um, Astroworld and Swimming just hit four years, which is insane to think about. It is It is insane to think that Astroworld's been out for four years. That is like... It's a very long time. (laughs) Yeah. And so much I literally was a different person. Yeah, I was about to say, I was literally a different person four years ago. But anyway... We've talked about this before, and you can even discuss it with Swimming since it came out on the same day. Are either one of these albums, has it been long enough to call them a classic? No. Okay. My my rule of thumb has always been five years. At least. At least five years. At least five years. Yeah. At least five years. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna circle back next year. Yeah, we're gonna figure we're gonna, out. We're gonna the fucking is a classic. Yeah, now like because we had a very long discussion on if this is classic worthy. And the other thing is that like I, like I don't even know if time is necessarily the issue for Astro World. Okay, I just need to see its context, like within Travis's career. I think just because like 
The dude does only have three albums. I push back on that, but technically, I guess he does only have three albums. Yeah, I mean, like, I know his footprint has been all over the genre for the last five years. But, like, in the actuality, like, I don't think we've been able to see, like, a great arc of his as an artist yet. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible, and we'll see with Utopia. If it was ever going to happen, it's going to be soon. Yep, I was going to say that should be yeah. really soon. And once again, like, even if, like, is it more of a classic than Rodeo? Um, no. It's the easy answer, no. Yeah. I think Rodeo is more of a classic. Yeah. And are those two albums, like, different enough that they can both be classics? I'd say so. I think that's, I think that's where we disagree, but that's okay. Jeff, do you have an opinion on Travis Scott? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Asher World's going to end up being a classic. Thank you. <laughs> Notice how he said it end is. up, though. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be more around, like, the 10-year mark, where people are going to start calling it a classic, mainly because of what happened at the event Astro Music Festival. Yeah. I think that's the, the event. I think that's still leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And until people are finally over that, then I think people will look at that album more. It's just because of the name. If it um, wasn't named Astroworld, I think it would be... <clears throat> I think it'd be sooner if it was named something different other than Astroworld. I, I actually totally agree with you, Jeff. As a matter of fact, that's a very similar to a point I brought up when we talked about this earlier. Because I feel like we, in order to, like contextualize like Astro World, we have to see like what comes after it because of its connection to the event. Exactly. And when you Google Astro World, that's gonna be the first thing that pops up is the event. Yeah. Not the album. Yeah. So I I actually did not think of it specifically at that angle, but that is absolutely correct. That just like public consciousness for Astro World will probably always sway towards the tragedy which sucks which is not which is not fair to all the artists that made helped make astral world the the great piece of work it is because it is a great piece of work i'm not sitting here saying it's like bad exactly i just feel like a classic is a very high bar (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah i get that yeah um so yeah i i I definitely agree with that jeff i think we definitely need just like more time, especially because of this album's connection with the tragedy. But Purpose has been trying to say that it's old enough for like uh, for classic status since before the tragedy, though. To be fair, not even. To be fair, <laughs> not even. Remember when I first brought this up? I was like, I just feel like every single hip hop channel I see on social media at some point has been like, "Hey, is Astro World a classic?" And so I was like, I mean. Burns has been telling me Astro World is a classic since Eight. November 2018. Like, <laughs> as soon as I heard the second track and I heard Frank Ocean classic, I titled it. Yeah. <laughs> I titled it a classic. No. Um I, it's funny that you said that. I literally took time. I just Googled Astro World and the Wikipedia page for the festival crowd crush comes up before the album. That's insane. To actually think about. Now, Working in media, man, 
I see when you go over these things and you see these events, it just, I start thinking that way. Like, that's the first thing you're going to see. Yeah. But the other thing is that those trends can change over time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why I think around the 10-year mark, that's when I think you'll see more people okay calling it a classic. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Now, I do want to pivot, though, because, like, let's, let's talk about swimming, for example, because I feel like we'd be remiss to not talk about that album. I mean, is swimming a classic? I think it's a lot closer to a classic than Asher World, if I'm being honest with you. As you said that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You're you're not wrong. Swimming definitely qualifies first. There's certainly an argument that... but Remember when I said, like, oh, is it different enough to justify having multiple classics? Like, I think about Mac Miller's, like, probably my favorite album of his, Watching Movie with the Sound Off. And that's a classic. Yeah, I would say that's a classic, for sure. And I would say Swimming is absolutely different enough that it can also be a classic. Because, like, they just, they sound like different genres. Like, it almost really does feel like Mac was transitioning into more of a singer-songwriter part of his career, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I would I, I feel like talk to me in a year about swimming, and we'll we'll talk about its classic status in five years. Okay, but that's completely I, fair. I, think, I, I completely understand. I, I definitely think swimming might be one of those like, especially considering what has happened in the last five years. Like, I I, I think swimming is one that I, I really want to revisit next year and talk have this conversation. Okay, and, and I took, completely agree with everything you said. I think it is more, or it qualifies more to be a classic, specifically when you look into the context. Because like you say, you got to see what comes after swimming and things like that, but where it fits within the timeline and the story behind who Mac Miller is and how he died and stuff like that. I think just, it's a staple to his personality. Yeah. So I feel like it, it, it's undoubtedly going to be a classic. I wish... I wish I could find this article, but I remember reading something about like what was some of the most streamed music during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and like the number one song was "Self Care" off this album. So like, uh, part of me also wonders uh, like, is that event and like the fact that this was an album a lot of people specifically turned to, like during that event, like is that even going to contextualize it even further? Mm-hmm. You know. But I think that's the far more interesting conversation, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our next piece of news, which is uh, going to be a hot one. <laughs> yeah, uh, so <laughs> it's funny because I haven't even heard the song, so if it's already been removed on um, on Spotify, I didn't know, and I haven't heard it, but apparently... Beyonce has removed the word spaz and some of her songs due to backlash and how it like kind of it goes against um certain communities where that could be used as like a demeaning term or something like that. Yeah. Um this this one's this one's interesting. No. <laughs> this one's hard to unpack. Right. It, it I don't know what kind of direction or angle I wanted to go at. In terms of this, I just 
I found it interesting that like how should I say this? Go ahead, because I, I have a lot to say about this too. You go first, because I want to find my words for it. Well, it's just you know, as someone who lived through all of adolescence with like an undiagnosed learning disability and a pretty severe one at that, mm-hmm. like I have like some pretty dark memories like associated with that word. Okay. How and I think like people have to realize like that something that does come across as very innocuous because I get it. It comes across as a very silly, innocuous thing. But, like, to certain people, specifically certain people who have ailments you can't see, like, it has been a weapon, and we should be honest about that. Uh, However, I think we should also be honest about the fact that, like, specifically in, like, African-American vernacular that word has, like, a very different root. It doesn't mean, like, the way it was used against me. It, like, literally has two different etiological origins. So when someone like Beyonce uses that word, like, it means a different thing, like, coming out of that community. And I think a lot of, like, white people have to be honest about that. Because, like, something similar happened with Lizzo. Okay. And, like, she had to take the same exact word out. And it's like... Like, yeah, I wish people wouldn't belittle it because, like, that word can be, like, like really shitty to use as another human being. But at the same time, like, I think we need to be honest that that word has a completely different origin in that context. That, and that's one of the angles I was actually going to take. I was going to say, it's like... How much pressure should be applied onto art if it's trying to express something? Because obviously, she it's meant to have an entirely different meaning, like you said. So, I just feel like sometimes, as as listeners or a community or wherever it might be, sometimes it might be too harsh on the artist. I I think specifically if the intentions were well, like it it wasn't meant to be negative intentions. I and like it's just. Yeah, it's interesting to see that response. And another thing I want to say, specifically for like someone like Beyonce, of all people to have fairly a positive image and known respectfully within the world, <laughs> like, at what point can you say, okay, it's Beyonce, it's art, like, you know what the meaning was, let's move past it. Yeah. And I think another thing, and look, this could have been because this happened while I was at Lollapalooza and I was relatively unplugged. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, like, I don't remember seeing any backlash, like, at all. And I remember seeing a lot of stuff about Beyonce's album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems kind of preemptive more than anything else. And, you know, it... it like, I'm not going to be dishonest and say it doesn't sit well. It does seem weird that like something that has a completely different origin and is pretty benign you right. know, is so heavily scrutinized. But on the other end, like you know, I do acknowledge that that you know it, maybe it's okay to be more careful with your language, and maybe like even in this context where like yes, it's harmless, 
it's not necessarily equivalent to something like uh, Anti Diaries. I, that's literally what I was about to say. You know, I don't think it's equivalent to that because I think Kendrick is making a point with his use of that word, which I still think is up is a discussion to be had. I think the argument that he that even that is not acceptable is a strong one. It's <clears throat> not what I personally believe, but I'm not a member of that community, so what does that tell you? Uh, so yeah, like uh, it, this was probably just something used the way it's usually used among her, com- like the, the community, meaning like to go off to like. If yeah. anything, in a positive sense, like it, it's not even like. Yeah, it doesn't even mean the same thing as like it's not used right. the same way. It's a verb that someone does as opposed to a adjective the way like some bully would use that on a school ground Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's what i mean when i say it's like different origins like it has like a completely different meaning that doesn't share roots with that which is why i can see why people react poorly to this and i'm thinking about when joey badass like when lizzo did it joey badass was like i would never fucking do that like Saying he wouldn't do what? Like he would change never the, uh... change. He would never take a word like "spaz" off to please right. uh, to a certain community. To he specifically said to appease white people. There you go. That's why like, I said like, <laughs> to please certain community. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like I I identify with that. I get that. I don't think she should have changed. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. No, I. I, yeah, I don't think she should have changed it. I don't see why she had to. But on the other end, like, part of me always wonders, like, what do I know about what actually happened? Like, I remember, Mm. this is a bit of a tangent, but bear with me. I remember, do you know a show It's Always Sunny? Yeah. So they have a few episodes where, like, the premise of the episode is that they're making bootleg sequels to the Lethal Weapon movies. (laughs) And... In those episodes, Mac, the character who does Mac, uh, is wearing blackface, right? And when there was, in 2020, when there was that, what's the word, reckoning with racial issues in this country, they chose, the creators said that they don't want that out. They don't want that representing It's Always Sunny. And I wonder if it's something like that, where it's like, no, if it's going to be misconstrued this way, then I don't want that representing the album a certain way. In which case, it's like, I don't want to limit the creativity of the creator either, if that's the way, if that's the way it happened to parse out. You know what I mean? In terms of all of that, like, that's pretty much what I want to cover on, like, the Beyonce part of it, because I, I just... I sometimes think the community overreacts. No, I definitely think that this is kind of like... My only thing is that I didn't see any... Actual, like... I didn't see anyone who was upset by it. Right. And to be honest with you, I don't think I saw anyone who was upset by her changing it either. To be honest. I just saw that she changed it. Which probably... It might just be one of those small things that gets looked over. Yeah. Did you listen to any of the album? I have not... Ooh, I listened to a handful of songs, and you know what? It's it's what? real good. Okay. It's it's real good. I just gotta say. 
like album of the year good? <laughs> or like, I don't, like it's been a stacked year. <laughs> it has been a stacked year. <laughs> like so, like yes, but maybe not this year. Like wow, okay. I mean that that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna be my reaction for me personally. Maybe not this year, but there are definitely some be some other years. Like if this came out last year, one hundred percent. Like okay, but I'm I'm now excited to listen to it. Yeah, you know what is going to be album of the year, Brandon? Oh my God, Chief <laughs> Keef. No, sir. <laughs> when Chance the Rapper decides to drop his album this year, God, I'm calling it now. <laughs> redemption but, arc. Um, We're going back to the redemption, redemption arc. <laughs> back to the first episode. But um, nah, just just bring that up. It seems like the date is coming up sooner. The last piece of news that we have is that he went on Jimmy Fallon over this week. Um, did you watch did it? Live performance. I have not. I'm going to though. Yeah, I did. I did not because I don't watch Jimmy Fallon. I always found him kind of. Well, yeah, I'm gonna watch the. I'm gonna watch the concert. Yeah, the concert. Right. Um, but I believe he did the highs and the lows, and I'm pretty sure Joey Badass was there. Oh, really? So, uh, I'm pretty sure. I have to double check. I like that song a lot. Before it came out, yeah, I think he said he was on it. Jeff. So, have you been listening to these latest strings of chant singles? Yeah, kind of, not really. So, everyone knows that the big day was just not good. But mm. man, these latest singles have been really something. So me and Purvis are really, really buying into a redemption arc for Chance the Rapper. Redemption arc. I'm a little still upset that we missed him yet. Oh yeah, Sunday. we'll get to that. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> he showed up twice. But honestly, fuck him for going to Kygo. Wait, he showed up twice. Yeah, he showed up Sunday too with Vic Mensa. Yeah, what? to perform with Peter Cottontail. Bruh, they performed, they performed Hey Ma. Yeah. Oh Off my Sunday. god! And we were gonna Come go on, to that show, bro. but we didn't. That is that's pain. I'm very upset. Yeah. And it was on a small stage. Yeah. Chance, what are you doing, bro? No, that one's good. On, that one's on us, not on Chance. That's actually cool that he came out <laughs> with him. Like, okay, but he came out with Kygo. That, that's that lame. That's very lame. Right. That didn't make <laughs> sense. You could have came out with J. Cole. You came out with Kygo. Come on. Does Come he on. have a song with Kygo? Yeah. I have no idea. He does? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So and it's yeah. not like J. Cole needed help. He had <laughs> he, he was very much stacked. <laughs> he had a small army of him alone is insane, and then he brought the Dreamville with him. So you know, yeah. Should, uh, you know, should we just go ahead? And start yeah, let's get, just get into it. Let's get into it. So should we break it down by uh, how you want to do this? We should go day by day, uh, but you know, I think we're mostly going to focus on the hip hop artists we saw. Uh, so Thursday was probably in terms of just like overall quality, the best day of the concert for me. Uh, because that was yeah, the best show I saw all three out of the four days I was there. <laughs> yeah, I, I was there four days and nothing touched Metallica. No, I would agree. Yeah, it was just it was life changing. It was the greatest concert I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but I do, I really want to give a shout out to Billy Strings. 
Uh, he killed it. Dude, he fuck, he absolutely killed it. It's a... Uh, I, I showed you it. I, I told you about this guy, Paris. He's the guy... Uh, he's a blue, bluegrass artist out of Kentucky. He was up there fucking playing and singing up a storm. Brought the hippies out. Brought the hippies out. You know, it, excellent was, lyrics and storytelling. Was this the white... Uh, oh yeah, the White Weekend. The White Weekend. That you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, the White Weekend. Yeah. Okay, I'm following now. Yeah. No, he was. Uh, he was fun. And as I've uh, after seeing him, I, I've been listening to his music pretty much all week, and like it's really, really good. Like on its own right. Okay. So, huge shout out to Billy Strings. And was that the first time you've heard of them? I, the first like, time I heard of them. We only went. We only went to see him because it, to get better seats for Metallica. You <laughs> got you. Okay. Which, yep. yeah, Metallica, two hours, life-changing show. So good. So good. Some of the best. Metallica has a lot of songs, like Master of Puppets and Creeping Death, where, like, there's, like, an element of chanting in the back of it. And, mm-hmm. like, just being a part of the song in that way is, like, the craziest thing ever. Yeah, and, and also, when we get to Sunday, I'll talk about how Green Day was because it was kind of like that. But yeah, but I I would say all in all, you know, didn't see anything hip hop related. You'll know that because like if you follow the Instagram, we didn't really post much because I was just in line <laughs> for Metallica. Uh, yeah, so from- and really for hip hop, it was really just. Saturday was really stacked with hip hop. Yeah. And then Friday had a little bit and Sunday had a little bit. Yeah. Thursday had Little Baby. Who like, you know, if yeah. if like Jeff had given me these passes which by the way, thank you for the hookup. Uh Jeff. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we also got hooked up at the Tito's Lounge. Oh my god, don't want to talk thank about Thank you, Tito's. I have a scar on my thank leg. Thank you, Tito's. Uh <laughs> Tito's. You think we can get a Tito sponsor? <laughs> Dude, we should try. We'll send this to them. Uh, thanks, Tito's. You're not responsible for the injury I got on a Divi bike on the way home because... <laughs> <laughs> and the only evidence I have of that is the scar on my leg and the charge to Divi. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Friday had a little bit... I would have seen Little Baby if uh, if they weren't against... Metallica. The artist right. I wanted to see more than anyone else in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Completely understandable. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about like a little baby performance. I, I didn't hear anything major, so it must not have been that no, insane. It was I not. just don't feel like he's much of a performer. I would say. He just got booked poorly. Yeah. That is true. On top of that, he's going to be back with Chris Brown on his tour. Isn't that literally like tonight? Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't no know idea. what was happening. <laughs> I have no idea. That's, I am that's not... also a weird collab. <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird collab. I mean, I like Little Baby. I think he's good, but like, you know, seems odd. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say he's grown significantly, but that does not mean. Oh yeah, I, he uh, went from that hot. <laughs> oh yeah, he went from like the most Nobody. generic Young Thug right. clone to like. A legitimate voice on his own, which is yeah, impressive. He he has a stance within the community. Yeah. So that alone is great. Yeah. But but that's... like you said, yeah, Thursday wasn't much. The only other person I wanted to see was Pierre Bourne, just because like yeah, 
I already put him as the producer in that episode. I listen to all his music. I love his music. I think he makes fantastic beats. That alone would be enough for me to go see him. Yeah. All right. So getting to Friday. Friday, I was there uh, all of my lonesome. Uh, and I saw three acts. I saw Corday, Don Tolliver, and Sofago. I'm upset I wasn't able to see Corday because I like him a lot. Yeah, of those three sets, uh, Corday was the best one. Okay. He just had, yeah, I mean, I have a lot. We'll get to Don Tolliver. Don Tolliver is probably one of the sets I have the most to say about. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, Corday brought incredible energy. I'm pretty familiar with his stuff, but not super familiar. I definitely have I'm, listened to a few of his albums. I'm surprised Chance didn't come out with him. Do they have that something? would be a good person? That would be a good one. Like that would have been a an excellent artist for him to align himself and be, with. Yep, with the right crowd that's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, my man. <laughs> yeah, but, no, um, definitely. And, I mean, look, that's really good to hear, to be honest. No, he like, put out excellent energy. Definitely someone I could see climbing the uh, the the hierarchy at Lala and getting to a higher seat. Okay. Yeah. And then from there, I saw Don Tolliver. Now, so here's the thing, man. He had a lot of audio issues. A lot. And it, it genuinely kind of... That and the crowd he brought in was kind of, kind of fucky. You know, there was you a lot. Say of, it. No, no, it was just that's the way I'm going to describe it. Fucky. It was, you know, fratty white boys. Uh, but, but I'll say this: the dude performed like a fucking champion. He did not let those audio issues get in the way of it. He was out there fucking doing what he had to do. It's just the end product due to things outside of his control. Like, did end up suffering. Okay. But yeah. he made the most of the moment. No, he absolutely did. Like, he, he is absolutely sight unseen an artist I would see again. As a matter of fact, I would say because of the technical issues he has, he's an artist I act, like, actively want to see a second time. Right. You know? That's so, completely understandable. I mean, I guess that's the biggest compliment I can play it, is it pay him. Is that I absolutely would like to see him in a, another time to just see uh, how he could do when he doesn't have these constraints. And on top okay. of that, you could tell that he was not used to. What do you mean? Uh, he was getting winded. Oh, okay, okay. Things like that, like not once again, not anything that's like a work ethic or like you know, like of a. a he just uh, got himself typed up way too early. Yeah, he's like, right. yeah, he's a relatively he crashed early, out. Okay. <laughs> and look, he came out with a chain. Someone had to take it off of him, like, so he could keep performing. But, like, look, I see that as someone, you know, making decisions in the heat of the moment in order to keep the show going, which is our, what, what something we're supposed to applaud. Mm-hmm. Like,. And, look, he came out with a ton of energy. He was totally able to control a very large crowd. He brought in a huge crowd. Probably the second biggest for a non-headliner I saw. And, yeah, like, that, that's just my main thing, is that, like, he had so many technical issues. 
that like his voice kept cutting out you know during company like you could barely hear him but he just kept going yeah Yeah. so it's unfortunate but it's it's not his fault he did all the right things it's just the way the right it just kind of happens sometimes and like i I, mean i'm very excited i mean i yeah no i would totally be hyped to go see him again like exactly yeah this this should be nothing but like he has all the makings to give you a great show in October when you see him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because yeah. that's what I was most curious about, because I know in the United Center, it's going to be, like, flawless, basically. When we went to go see J. Cole, yeah. there was no errors. So being able to see Kate Cuddy and Don Tolliver with a good production crew that could be there for him and, like, support him live, I am extremely excited to hear all of his songs go crazy. I don't know if he's, like... Because we kind of talked about it last week. We did a whole episode on him and his album. Like, I feel like he's going to bring that energy that Travis has, but, like, in he a different does. way. He, he definitely <laughs> right. does. It's not as, you know, it's a little bit more engaging because it's not as, like, down your throat, hype, ah. You know, like, he has slower songs. When I saw him, he came out to After Party, which is, like, his big... Singing opener. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an insane opener, you know? Like, I, okay, that's a strategy. But then again, like, <laughs> he, he closed with Moon. And you know, that's, that was cool. So, right. Uh, but yeah, no, he was able to take it in, like, definitely different moods. I definitely think, if not a better artist than Travis, because I don't think he is, he's certainly a more dynamic one, because he has a lot of different modes he can work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I saw another Travis clone, Sofago. <laughs> a smaller. Clone. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Like, Sofago, I only stuck around for like maybe four or five tracks, you know, maybe 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But man, he. It was a smaller crowd at a much smaller stage. And he just went for it. He just. He brought the energy. And you could tell the crowd was vibing with him. To me, like, I still think Sofago just sounds like a slightly more interesting Travis clone. Like, I don't think he has a style his own like Don Tolliver yet. But, you know, I, I definitely think he has potential. But it, it was one of the ones that more watched over me than any of the other ones this weekend. It was good. It just wasn't really for me. I definitely hung right. back because I didn't want to be in the mosh pit. Like, because people are going crazy. It's more just like an experience. Just kind of yeah. fill it out and go from there. Yeah, it was just something like I wanted to check him out. We had talked about him on the show. And I don't know if his music is exactly for me, but for the people who enjoy it, I think they got a lot out of that performance. For sure. All right. All right. Let's get to Saturday. Saturday was the day we were all there. This was a big day. All right. So, Purvis. This was your first day ever at Lollapalooza, correct? Yes, this was my only day. Um, I'm not going to lie. It was exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was definitely, I, I forget how much energy goes into like these kind of festivals and like how much is going on. Seeing all the people is so dope. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's a really good vibe. It's a good energy that brings to the city. You don't get it too often. It was very refreshing, but yeah, it was very tiring. Um, I do wish that Cochise 
came on later. That was the only person I didn't get to see. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I really wish Coaches was not the first act of the day. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculously unfair, but it is what it is. It had ghosts. Um, but I did get to see Duckworth. That was the first fest or the first concert show that I went to. Man, amazing! He, he brought such a great energy to him. Um, he's very unique style. He I feel like some of his music falls under this podcast, but he just has such yeah. an amazing performance. Um, he was dancing on stage. He brought a great crowd. It's actually the Discord stage, so like you got a big group in the middle that's really vibing with him, and plenty of people on the outsides under the shades and the trees. So it was a really good vibe to go to, and like definitely someone that I would recommend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted to see Duckworth, but we ended up at Little Dirk and also finding the VIP, uh, right. which took some time. So what happened with Little Dirk? Because you text me and I'm like, what is going on? So yeah, as, soon as, as soon as we got there, they paused the show and yeah. had everyone take three steps back because everyone was so close and they had a pyro that was going off. Yeah. And sure enough, whoever set up the pyro set it up too close to the stage and Little Dirk ended up getting shot in the eye. That was a unruly set. That was like we walked in like while it was going on, and, and it was a rowdy crowd. It was a rowdy crowd. Like Jeff is normally a kind of guy who likes to get up close, and we were like, uh, "This is probably not the best one." <laughs> no, and like, look, I like Lil Durk. I I think of all the Chicago drill rappers who aren't Chief Keef. I think he's probably my favorite. I like him more than uh, G Herbo. Polo G, G Herbo. Polo G. Oh, yeah, I famous artists I famously know, Polo G. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, bro. <laughs> uh That's funny. And it was look, it was cool to see Lil Dirk cuz like I you know, I I wanted to, but the crowd was super rowdy and then when I heard that he got shot in the eye with a firework. Like, yeah, no. Jesus. Yeah, and he's- He's from Chicago, so yeah, I mean, I had to do a little bit. Yeah, I mean, check him out. Yeah, he's from Chicago. Yeah. He was on the Perry stage, so clearly, like, yeah. clearly that means he's going to be someone who you could, who's going to be at la- later Lollapaloozas. Exactly, oh, yeah. and sure. and then, like, him coming out on his uh, Instagram saying that he's going to take time away and kind of reflect on things. Yeah. Was, uh... Pretty yeah. cool to see, because, you know, at least he's not going to jump right back in after he feels up. No, yeah, this is definitely, it's definitely the right time to do that. And, like, he appeared to be giving a good show, but we were pretty far back. It was a massive crowd. I, I saw good. I saw Denzel Curry on the same stage the next day, nowhere near that size. Wow. Yeah. That's actually a little surprising. Uh, Denzel Curry was I'm going like- against some huge names. Oh, okay, that's probably why I was yeah. gonna say. I just feel like I would definitely see Denzel Curry having a larger fan base, but I could be biased. I don't, I don't know if I even agree with that. But even just the fact that you had Green Day and the guy from BTS at the same time, that's yeah, J Hope and Green Day, J Hope and Green Day going against Denzel. Yeah, that's just unfair. That's tough. I mean, I was shocked that the crowd was as big as it was. To be honest. Like, it was probably, like, do you know those, like, it was past the farthest light post on that stage, which is, like, half of Little Dirt. It was probably all, like, 
it was all big hip hop heads. It was. Yeah, it was all. It was the all same hip hop heads, and just was everyone that's like a true fan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to be honest, and this is one of the. This is the reason why I. I this is my main takeaway from, not the main takeaway, but this is like a big mark against the Denzel Curry show. Is it was the same audience as uh, Don Tolliver. Very rowdy, very in everyone's faces. Dudes trying to fight, like not a Denzel not gave a thing. Denzel it definitely gave like one of my favorite performances of the weekend. But the show overall, with that included, not great. Also, not the best audio. But we'll get to that. Yep. Back to Saturday. Yeah, back to Saturday. Yeah. So then, then we saw we all, Big Sean. Um, Sean. Yeah. Jesus, man. That Big <laughs> Sean show. That was a surprise. I'm, okay, here's the thing. I was not surprised that, like, it was good. Because, like, I, I was saying for the longest time, I was telling Patrick, who was there with us. Yeah, I shout out Patrick, Patrick Keene. We need to see. This. Yeah. He came. He, I told him, I was like, bro, we need to see Big Sean. Like, we actually need to because I know it's going to be really good. I've heard many good things about his shows. He has so many hits, but you don't really remember. I did not expect it was going to be all hits. Like, every no, single was song was a hit. Every hit. It was every hit. And it carried. It, it carried. <laughs> it, the energy of that show was incredible. Like, absolutely insane. And to be honest, All like, the songs are great. The effects on the cameras are great. Brings out, um, Janae, like, Janae Aiko. And it's come not on. like a small bit. It was, mama. Yeah, it's Baby Mama. Yeah. Oh, also, between Big Shot, we also saw YG. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but mean, Big Sean blew it out. Like, <laughs> YG was so unimportant, in my opinion. It was just a whole bunch of, like, the fucked out Random Trump people, fun, like, but that was that, that was fun, but I don't know any YG fans. I don't feel like people are there just to see no. YG. And, and, <laughs> yeah, like Big Sean is was definitely the the bigger and better show. It was incredible. And shout out to Janae Aiko coming out and performing as much as she did while pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that cannot you be did great. easy. Yeah, no, they Overall, that show was incredible. Yeah, that was. I think that was the first big guest that I saw that day, and I was like, "Man, what a feeling!" Yeah, that's so dope. Now, we—I know me and Jeff went to Tito's and had some drinks before Jake Hall. Did you see anyone after Big Sean? Um, no. After Big Sean, I kind of wrapped everything up. We was going back to get everything together and just get ready for the last show of Big Sean or uh, Big Sean, Jesus Christ, with Jake Hall. So I didn't go see anyone in the meantime. Yeah. So let's dive into the headliner for Saturday, J. Cole. Very popular to- topic on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to no one's surprise, one of my top five artists we're talking about again. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he did it, but he, I, I honestly think he did better than yeah, the United States when we went to OC. This, I, I was telling Jeff that this was, this was a superior show to the United States. It, it's insane. Yeah, there's something different. Yeah, this was. It was kind of interesting how he did bring back some of the things, like the the song battle he does with Boz. Yeah, but it made it even better. So much. It's still fun though. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah, it's fun no matter what. Because when we saw the United Center, I was like, oh my god, this is so dope. But I don't know what. But like being outside in that festival setting, you're looking at the skyline. This is your home city. You see everything. 
And like you literally hear it sounds like they're a block away. People just screaming the lyrics, doing the call and response. Yeah. It's just like, man, that, oh my god, is the, so dope. The, that is so dope. The feeling of like being in Grant Park, looking at Chicago. Wow, what what <laughs> would you say? Like fifteen thousand, thirty thousand strangers just yell out the lyrics to <laughs> No Role Models. Like, it's just so good. It's so wild, good. amazing. Yeah, and he brought out a ton of guests. Yep. Buzz, Jid, this went crazy, crazy. Now, question for you guys, right? Because we saw a bunch of artists do like songs that feature other people, or even other people's songs that they have featured on. Big Sean did a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and J Cole specifically called out Twenty One Savage when he did that one song uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you think Twenty One Savage was supposed to be there? I I do. If I'm being honest, I think twenty. I, I kind of do. I kind I'm 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 leaving with you, Jeff. I I kind of think he was supposed to be there. I, I wouldn't have been surprised having, at all. Yeah, he probably ended up having travel issues because he's been deported. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, but I mean, he and he even said it during the performance. J Cole was trying to tell the people running the um. Uh, the transcript or whatever it's called, when you can like look down and see the lyrics, they told him or he told them to play 21 Savage part. I need the lyrics and I wanted to do his part. And then they couldn't get it up in time. So he was just like, forget it. And then he did his part. So I honestly feel like it was meant to be the entire song. And he even tried to do 21 Savage's part in his absence. So I do believe I agree. I think 21 was supposed to be there. Yeah. And I definitely, yeah. So, purpose. What? How would you compare this to the set we saw at United Center? Um, not to say the United Center experience wasn't good. Actually, I, I do like the experience of being in United Center. I'm excited to go back for that concert with Kid Cudi and Don Tolliver. But I like the experience because it doesn't matter where your actual seating is. You can see the stage. You can see the artists. Sometimes I feel like in this large festival setting. You can't really see people once you get too far out. Yeah. So I do like the experience in Madison. I like the location, but it's just something so much different about being outside. Yeah. I, I feel like the setting alone made all the songs hit harder, made the crowd feel more connected. Yeah. So it's not to say United Center was bad, but this just is a whole different world. It's a whole different ball field I feel like you're playing with. Because a lot a of emotions go into yeah. it. Exactly. It's almost like a completely different scale. Like, it definitely feels bigger, right? It, it mm-hmm. honestly is. Yeah. It, it was at some point, I'm pretty sure I turned to it, and I was like, bro, I just, like, I'm crying. <laughs> like, yeah. I was singing so hard, I started crying, and I'm like, this is insane. I think it's the amount of people. I think it gets Yeah, 100,000 people. You get about 100,000 people each day. So about 400,000 people throughout the four days. And next year, they just upped it to 115,000 people each day. Jesus Christ. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, it it is insane. But then again, like, that's the experience. And it's kind of interesting when you think about the fact that, you know, gathering in large groups for music is something we've been doing since, like, before we left Africa, like, as a species. Right, about the same freaking forever. Yeah, it's forever right so it 
in some weird ways, like, maybe not with, like, J. Cole, but, like, certainly, like, when we saw Childish on the exact same stage, right? During some of the more yeah, contemplative... Was... Yeah. During some of the more contemplative songs, it borderline feels like a religious experience. It really does. It depends on the artist, because, like, the artist can turn it into that experience. Yeah. And... But I guess the question I have is, do you think that 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 scale performing at that, you know, in that kind of format, do you think that helps artists or do you think that's like a hindrance? Because I think it helps. I think it helps artists. I agree. I think like it makes good into great and it turns great into once in a lifetime. Yeah, because I think of it as like, look what Freddie Mercury did for Live Aid. And I think everyone looks back at that moment, looks at that crowd, and looks at the performance he put on. And I think every performer that steps on a stage of a festival scale, like like a Lollapalooza, where you're in front of 100,000 people, they want to get that moment. Even though it's not what it was at Live 8, but they want to feel that moment. Yeah. I feel. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's really, really insightful. Man, I just I can't believe he brought out Jid and they did stick. That was <laughs> that went so hard. <laughs> I, my voice was completely gone once I hit that point. <laughs> he, he also did, did way do. more older songs than he did when we saw him at UC. Yes, yes, he did. He threw he, he did threw a lot of up. throwback songs. But you know what he didn't um, do? He still did not do neighbors. We've seen him twice yeah. now. Jermaine, if you're ever on the podcast, you'll have to answer for this. Like, I'm just... <laughs> I know you're listening. It, it's going to happen. Like, it's, just, it's, it's very interesting that you say it, because, like, Neighbors legitimately is one of his best songs ever. Yeah. Yeah, it There's is. so many things that go into it. Is it just not a good, like, concert song? I didn't consider that. I didn't think like, oh, maybe it's just like it wouldn't do well at concerts. I don't. And he tried it, but like, I I don't know what it has. The huge sing along chorus. I would think it's a great concert song, especially if you do Forbidden Fruit and then. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's like a premiere concert moment. Maybe he. What I would say, like you said, he was a lot less focused on like a tour. Like when we saw him before, it's literally a tour, so you're you're there to listen to that one to album, that album, and then like right. the the hits of hits. Exactly. This one, it, I don't feel like it was a part of a tour. Yeah, it's about creating the best experience possible, and like we, yeah, we, I think we got more of the more recent stuff than anything else, but you know, man, I would have loved Kevin's heart. That I was hoping for that. That yeah. was one I was really hoping for. Yeah. And I, I just sorry, go ahead. I just think after these two shows in a row, I think I'm gonna try and never miss a J. Cole show. <laughs> but... Dude, that's that's the biggest thing I've walked away from Lala. What I will give Lala, even though I spent plenty of time beforehand absolutely down talking this experience. I was gonna say, like, I would never pay this money for this terrible lineup. Like, I, I just don't think that it's worth it. I think they should restructure it. We had a whole episode about it. I will say, walking away from it, I have a very different view. I literally told my friend, I was like, I will try not to ever miss Lala again. Because, like, if my t- 
top 15 artists is performing, it's that enough. That alone yeah. is enough. Yeah, that's, to me to go see that is the, where I am now. The only thing is that like the worst aspect of Lala is probably the worst part of any music festival in the city. And that's the it's, demographic. That is true. It's the, <laughs> it's the people who go to Lala. It's just, it sucks. I'm sorry. Like, it, the, the reputation Lala has for being filled with drunk, white, suburban teenagers is earned. It's actually true. <laughs> yeah, like, but I think it's a great experience. And it's, I, I'm definitely, like, going to be prioritizing going at least one day every year. Because you're right. Exactly. You're totally right. If there's any artist that I haven't seen in that setting, I'm going to get a, once a, a show that I, I just am going to love from them. Because, like, I think consistently the festival experience is, like, as you said, like, it's a multiplier. It makes the best experiences even better, you know? Uh, do we want to move on to Sunday and then we can talk about some general thoughts? For sure. Okay, so, definitely. Yeah, so me and Jeff were there Sunday, and I'm not we gonna saw lie, I was pretty Charlie drunk X, by yeah. the end of it. Oh, Charlie XCX killed it. Yeah, she was really good. She's really good. She's like goes out there and fucking. Sings. She really performed. She sings and dances all at once. But I gotta say this, and I feel like this is the only area on the internet where it's safe for me to say this. Oh and boy! No, no, no. It's just look, Charlie XCX did great. Um, an artist I probably will end up seeing again just because I know my girlfriend's a big fan and she would love to see her live. And it's an artist I could I would take her to, I could take her to see without gritting my teeth. Unlike her other favorite artist, Mumford and Sons. Uh, <laughs> and but the last time I was at Lala, I also saw a pop star and Janelle Monet, and it's just like. You know, Janelle Monae did all that, plus outfit changes, put out. plus insane choreography. Don't get me wrong, it was great, but it just kind of highlighted the once-in-a-lifetime aspect of that Janelle Monae set I saw. That's my main takeaway. Yes. Like, it really added that level of, like, holy shit, what I really, really saw is that level of good. But... Really enjoyed her. Happy I saw her. Then um, we went over to Porno for Pyros, which is Perry Farrell. His that's his other rock band, yeah, or punk band. Yeah, it's like a punk not band. Jane's for... Addiction. Yeah, that's not Jane's Addiction. Perry Farrell being the founder of Lollapalooza. Yes. Yeah, and we saw. And it. they put on a pretty. They put on a pretty decent. I saw about uh, the first half of it, and yeah, I thought it was very enjoyable. Yeah, and then uh, they had Billy Corgan come out to do a cover of Led Zeppelin, When the Levee Breaks, which was phenomenal. And it was the drummer also from Smashing Pumpkins that came out with him, since they're really the only two that talk that are no members. And uh, that was a big surprise. Like, no one expected that, and that he put on a great show. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I got the picture that uh, when we posted it to our story, Perry Farrell actually reshared our podcast. Huge. 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 So uh, dope. Insane. That's so dope. Like, if, there, if there's any... That is love. Yeah. I mean, my favorite hip-hop journalist was at the same VIP as me and Jeff. I never, never at the same time, 
but you know, I saw it on his Instagram that he was there. Uh, and I was like, oh, Perry Farrell resharing it is as good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was the coolest shit ever. Uh, and then, and then you went over to see the kid Leroy. Yeah, kid Leroy, who, you know, I have no idea who this person is. Uh, they are, okay. and we play a bunch of him over at. Yeah, I can see why. I can totally see why he's popular. Yeah, him and Juice World were really close, and and you can tell. Didn't he? He did a cover of. He did a cover of I think Lucid Dreams, and it was pretty good. It was a pretty good cover. Like I gotta say, Uh, my only thing is that like I thought a lot of his music was just kind of you know Juice World, but not as good. This world were more poppy. Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it, right? So yeah. I think he did a very good, really cool like job honoring Juice World, but the rest of his set like just not my cup of tea, you know. And then oh. Jeff, Jeff, you want to talk about Green Day, and then we can close out with Denzel. Yeah, and Green Day they uh, they put on another performance just like Metallica. It was they brought a girl out. Uh, sing a song with them. They brought a girl that to play the guitar with them. She got to keep the guitar. And what's even more crazy, like she found the photos and video I took of her up there and reached out for all that. So I sent that over over to her, which was pretty cool. And uh, I mean, they they played all the hits. So was it mostly one, their? Was it mostly their old stuff? It was mostly all their old stuff. Yeah, I had heard. I know a bunch of people who saw them and said it was really, really good. And yeah, and they killed it, it. Yeah, if there was any artist that like I and like I, I was right up there for them. Yeah, I mean, one like after Run the Jewels, I don't know if I like being that close anymore. And but like, if there's any artist, certainly more than Little Baby, I, I would have liked to see Green Day. Especially knowing that they're really only playing their old stuff because, like, I like their old stuff. I think their old stuff still holds up. Yeah, and Billy Joel Armstrong came out in a Metro. Yeah, uh, that's shirt very cool. That's very cool. And, they were repping from the after show they played on Friday. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And I also, I consistently hear that they're extremely cool dudes. So that kind of bias, uh, that kind of biases that me. Just like they treat like local bands and like the people, like the engineers in the studio, really well. Oh yeah, and like not everyone up, does that. Like yeah, the song that hyped up the crowd was with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like before they jumped on, everyone's singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, cool. all at once. Yeah, which was I, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love then, when, I love when an artist does that. They play a song like almost like an entrance song, like a wrestling match. Exactly. And like, they were super interactive with the crowd. Yeah. And uh, they even did a cover of Shout by the Izzy Brothers. Oh, Tears for Fears? No, Shout. The Izzy Brothers. Oh, okay. Oh, the one the song that plays at weddings. Yes. Oh. I I thought it was the other Shout. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you know those no, they, like, like, they were super in- Shout. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's what you mean. Yeah, I'm falling out. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> if there's any show that I was bummed about, there was really only two, and it was 
uh, Little Baby, but then definitely more than this, I Green Day. Just because, like, especially if they're playing their old stuff, which is what I would expect at a festival, I probably would have really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. That's what I was happy about. It was, like, all their old stuff. Yeah, because I think we could all agree, and this is just the reason I have a bad taste in my mouth about Green Day, that their new, their stuff, new stuff sucks. Yeah, their new stuff, it's just bad. Like, they're just not a good at making music anymore. But that's a completely different skill from performing. And you can totally still exactly. be good at performing. Like, yeah. Look at Metallica. Like, exactly. And they went on a run of doing really bad shows from. Yeah, they we also heard. were doing. Yeah, because I've never heard anyone say Green Day has put on a bad. Well, no, that's actually not true. But for the most part, I've heard Green Day does really good shows. Metallica recovered from like a decade of notice, no, like famously bad shows. Yeah. Yeah. So what made them bad? Say that again. What made them bad? Oh, just like low energy, short, only playing. They were in a heavy uh, drug drinking phase. Yeah. Okay. As every music. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, and then I finished off with Denzel Curry, and you know he's one of my golden boys. So seeing him was really cool. And he did pretty much all the big songs off, what's it called? Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. And it just, it hit crazy. He, it, he came out to walk in. Man, that song bangs. Dude, it's su- <laughs> dude, it was actually super interesting because he came out, it was almost exactly like Metallica. Because Metallica plays this song called Ecstasy of Gold. It's a song by Iriona Morricone. He made, he's an Italian composer, right? Mm-hmm. And he has this song, Ecstasy of Gold, and Metallica came out to that. Denzel Walking also samples a song by the same composer. And before he came out, he played the song. So it felt very similar. Mm. And mm. yeah, he did all the hits. There was at one point it felt like it felt like he teased a it felt like he was about to tease Kid Cudi coming out, but he was like, ah, I got your ass. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Which I would have been like, oh, that, w- that would have made this the show to see if Kid Cudi came out. <laughs> and it was during that song they just put out. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, that would have been life-changing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you remember how I said, like, oh, it didn't seem like Don Tolliver was ready for, like, that level? Mm-hmm. Right? Denzel was almost like the opposite because he was on the Perry <laughs> stage. It was the same stage as Little Dirt. He was like, and I need a bigger stage. <laughs> it was you could tell he like the way he was moving, like the poses he was striking, like how engaged he was with the audience. You could tell that he was like he's outgrowing these smaller stages, like in terms of his shows. Okay. Yeah. The only thing was the audio was. The mix wasn't right. And it's not like Don Tolliver where, like, his voice was going in and out because, like, it wasn't working. It was just, like, the beat was overwhelming the voice. Yeah, like, they had the background. Yeah, just kind of, like, and it was higher than his voice. Yeah, higher than it should be. Yeah. And you could still hear it. Like, it wasn't too bad, but it was definitely very noticeable. Yeah. Uh, But, you know... He was the closer on the Perry stage, so I think that's a good indicator that 
in the next few years, you might see him, you know, yep. on a bigger yeah. stage. I, I think. Oh yeah, maybe one or two more steps. Yeah, I uh, because I see you close the Perry stage. Your next step is being that second behind the headliner on the yeah. Keymore Bug Light stage. My only thing is that. Oh, go ahead. Because I think the Paris stage is like the third biggest stage. Like if you're headlining that, that's like that's big. I also think because your next step is just the main stage. Isn't that a stage that like Perry picks people like specifically for or something like that? I think I've heard that. I think that's somewhat true, but I know that's the big EDM stage. Like you usually see all the EDM artists. Yes. Yeah. Like that's that's going to be the stage where you get. Cascade, a lot of big pyro, and a lot of like a lot, like a lot of pyro for that. Yeah, which is crazy because there wasn't any pyro at a Denzel. Green Day had a bunch. Yeah, they had a lot more than Metallica. That's well, yeah, I can see that. And and Green Day's was actually different than Metallica. Like Green Day's wasn't just coming from the bottom. Like they had stuff like around the back of the drummer also, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm sure J-Hope had some yeah. Oh, I'm sure his was absolutely crazy. And it was pretty cool that right before J-Hope went on, Perry and Lori Lightfoot announced the new 10-year deal. Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, so that was every artist we saw at Lala. Well, we saw some other... We saw Mainskin. It was like, they were yeah. fun. They were good. Like, And they're not too bad. Yeah, they're fun. Like... Uh, but yeah, so that was every single artist we saw. So I guess my question for you guys is like, you know, Purpose has dived into it a little bit, but like, how do you just sum up, surmise like Lala as an experience? Mm, I think that's just how you summarize it. It's an experience. (laughs) Yeah. But like, what, why do you like, like, do you like going there and why? I just like the, the whole I talked about this on air when I was filling in uh, Friday. Uh, like, what I like is, like, you see, like, a main skin or, like, a Denzel Curry or a Charlie XCX or even, like, Peter Cottontail closing or being on a smaller stage and Vic and Chance coming out for that. Like, you see these smaller names on these smaller stages and then to see them eventually headline at one point, like a couple years ago in 2019 when we won, you remember when Tyler Yahi, he jumped in the crowd. Yeah. And he was on one of the smallest stages. And then when I went last year, he's on stage headlining and coming out, or not headlining, he came out with uh, Post Malone, who was headlining, yeah. and like seeing him come out on the main stage, closing out a night with Post Malone, which was really awesome to see, like, See him start off on those small stages, and that's what Wild Palooza really is. You get these no-name artists at one point, like Vic and Chance. They were all on small stages at one point. Yeah. And now they can headline it. Yeah. I saw Sofago at the same stage that we saw Tyler Yahi. Yeah. like, And then you're going to see eventually they'll be on the Perry stage. Yeah. And then they'll be at the T-Mobile or Bud Light yeah. stage. It was also the same stage Denzel was at that same year, that we what exactly? It was a exactly different day, now. yeah. And then now look at him; he's yeah, he's on the Perry stage. Perry stage, I and think, then his next step. Go on. I think that sense of evolution is very much an appeal for a lot of people. Like just being yeah, able to what, see as like artists grow. Yeah, and that's what I like going. That's it's it's yeah. cool to see. Yeah, and then you know that's like being with the radio station and all that. 
eventually when I do get a media pass, you know, on these smaller stages, connecting with like their reps and connecting with the artist more. And then, you know, the more they grow, the more connections that you have with them. It's just, it's cool to have and grow like that. Yeah, no, that that's definitely very cool. I think, I think like the main appeal for me is just like the festival format, you know? Just like mm-hmm. what artists can do with like these massive stages, these massive teleprompters, you know, these lights, pyrotechnics, lasers, all that shit. Like, that's a lot of stuff to play with, you know? And I think, you know, Jeff just went over how Green Day can use that for their creativity. Metallica certainly used it for their ends. Janelle Monet, Childish, all of them. So my question And is, even for. Even for like Metallica, that stage was set up differently for Metallica only. After that, they set up the stage differently for yeah. everyone else. Yeah, because they put the. It was almost like a they double up. tiered stage because they had like the runway go out like extra mm-hmm. long and they had the drums on the runway. Yeah, it was like a horseshoe almost. Yeah. And it, absolutely insane what you can do with like that, that scale. You know, and just look at like J. Cole, because like we got to see him in that arena setting. And like there was some cool stagecraft, you know, like I remember the basketball hoop that would catch on fire, like on the album cover. Yeah. Like that was like a really cool thing that like you weren't able to see at Lala. But, you know, even though the experience is so much more diluted because you're with there with, you know, if it's a heavy group, like 40,000 people. I do think, like, you get a better experience, like, from being in that crowd. Like, I thought our seat, our spot for J. Cole was way better than our seats were at UC. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And even if we, honestly, I I don't even know distance-wise if it's even better. But just the fact that you're on this level playing field with the entire crowd and you're a part of a bigger picture... Yeah, it just hits different outside, I feel like. Yeah, and also just, like, that area alone is just such a... It's an iconic place to put a stage. Like, the skyline, Mm. the view, everything about it is just top tier. So I guess my question is, like, what artists are you excited about seeing in this festival format? Like, who are names, whether you've seen them or not, that you're like, oh, I see them closing a a Lala, because that's the festival in our town. You're going to go see it. Oh, I just actually took the survey that Lollapalooza sends you and they ask, you know, recommendations for future years. I, uh, maybe not hip hop, but I definitely see Billie Eilish being a headliner. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Billie Eilish is a, is a huge, I I think Beyonce is going to be one that has a chance for it next year. Beyonce would be huge. Insane. (laughs) Beyonce, she's would, bigger than. She's, she's bigger, bigger than, than that platform. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even have to do that. Yeah, she's huge. Jesus Christ, Beyonce be goes. Right. Then I'm basically required to go to Lala. <laughs> like, I'm telling you right now, wherever Frank Ocean's next concert is, yeah, like I'm gonna be there. Like, could you imagine Frank Ocean on the T-Mobile <laughs> stage? Like, Frank Ocean's <laughs> definitely gonna be there. Yeah, bro. He well, was supposed to be, like, there in 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I would wait there all day. 
I don't think there's. I was gonna say I will get front rowsy. I would. I would be the all the trash artist before. I would bury a cooler in Grant Park. Yeah, yeah. If Eminem is doing one last farewell concert, I think he's gonna do Lollapalooza also. That would be that would be kind of dope if he did his old stuff mostly. (laughs) No, I think if anything, he'll do it for this. Curtain call too, right? Yeah, but that'd be a farewell. That would be a big one. Yeah, you know who? Someone I really want to see, like just because I want to see them, but also be, and their set at Lala was legendary. Uh, is the Black Keys? Yeah, yeah, I would be love to cool see there. them at, at Lala. Um, I would love to see Run the Jewels close Lala. Yeah, same so here. Just because, like, you know, I saw them at Riot Fest, and that was great, especially because of how close I was. But, like, Riot Fest, like, in terms of just pure scale, like, it's it's great, but it's not Lala. It just isn't. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in terms of pure scale. And then... Uh, Rage, Rage Against the Machine, I would love to see them at Lollapalooza one last time. Yeah. Oh, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah would probably be... I good. was just... Bro, I was literally just about to tell you. He's here on the 19th. I also think... His only... It's only $95. Oh, 95 I can't do 95 I'm sorry. Like, oh. If you could do a... I'm so close. Uh, if you could do a scholarship for this, I'm, I'm down. But, like... <laughs> like <laughs> uh, I literally just looked it up. Schoolboy Q is another one. Schoolboy Q. Oh, Schoolboy Q yeah. Huge. He would have a great... He, he would do great work with that format. And then... We already said it, but Denzel Curry... Uh... I mean, he was just here, but the weekend. Yeah, the weekend is another one who, like, given like the Lala stage, I think could really do something great. And fuck, there was another one that was on my the tip of my head. I mean, Charles can oh, you know, yeah, bring him back. Yeah. Oh, I was. I literally had it again, and <laughs> the, oh, <laughs> it's Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi, I would oh. love to see in this context. Like, I've already seen Kid Cudi a bunch of times. But, like, could you imagine 40,000 people doing cutty hums with you? <laughs> yes, that would be kind of dope. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, 40, 50,000 people humming to kick cutty. Just, or, or just like day and night with that many people, like, in the middle of the skyline. Come on. Come on. <laughs> that would be very dangerous. <laughs> That would be so dope. Yeah. But I think that kind of like wraps up our talk about Lala this year, guys. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. But definitely going to be something, especially now that I have this podcast where I talk about music, definitely not going <laughs> to be missing this again. Yeah, no. Even if I just go for one, one day. day. like At least one day. Yeah, like at least one day. Who knows? Lil Wayne might pop up. It's just like, I gotta go. That'd be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Especially because, like, one day passes are not that incredibly expensive. And if you get them early. Yeah, especially if you can get them early. And, like, the other thing is, you know, we were lucky enough to get four day passes. And this wasn't even a particularly good year. Like, nope. Like, even looking back, like, at how good the sets we saw were, like, it still was a weak year, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I feel like I went on the best day for me. So, 
You definitely okay. did. Ugh. All right, gentlemen, are we ready to do recommendations? Yes, sir. All right. Jeff, you want to go first? Mm, I got to think. We got some time. Yeah. Should I start it off, dude? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Someone else. Okay. I have an extreme, extreme throwback. Um, extreme throwback. There is a group, a group called the Friends of Distinction that drops a song going in circles. Um, I don't know how I found this song. I think it was on TikTok, but it's like apparently an old classic that I just never knew about. This song absolutely is amazing. It's such a good song. Absolutely by who? No, no, it's really good. It's called The Friends of Distinction. It's called Going in Circles. Okay. So like, it's, it's, it's a throwback, so don't expect nothing crazy. <laughs> Damn. No, I'll have to look into that. I love a throwback. One I have. Uh, I don't know how I came across this. Uh, probably, I don't know. It's Meet Me at Our Spot by the Anxiety Willow and Tyler Cole. Oh. I haven't heard yeah. of that. Came out in 2020. So, pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, we talk a lot about how the pandemic affected music releases. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it was probably through a TikTok or something. That's probably how I came across it. But, yeah, that's my, that's my recommendation. All right. All right, my first one, I'm going to recommend uh, Dust in a Baggie by Billy Strings. Uh, he was the guy who impressed me the most at Lala, I'd say, besides the greatest band that ever exists. Uh, so I wanted to give him a shout out. I wanted to list one of his songs. This is an excellent bluegrass song about exactly what you think it is. <laughs> Dust in the Baggie, nice. <laughs> Okay. Um, my second song would actually be a Thundercat song, Fair Chance. Oh, I love Thundercat. So good. It's so good. I don't know. It's, it's just such a, an entertaining, like, feel-good type of music. I don't know it's why. So, it's, it's, like, so complex and intricate, but also so easy to just vibe to. Right. And that's like an interesting distinction because it's not many artists who do like that specifically. It is very difficult to make your music consumable when it's that advanced. Yeah, exactly. You know, Little um, B is featured in the song. <laughs> done. Listening to it now. <laughs> bass God, Bass God, Bass God to close Lollapalooza 2020 forever. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Too far. My <laughs> uh, second one is going to be Jane by Jefferson Starship. Taking it back to a classic from 1979. Damn, that's a, that's a real big classic. But that's a stoner anthem, though. Yeah. yeah. Do I Eddie, know the song, Brandon? No, <laughs> Jefferson no. Starship okay. is like real, real, real old. Wait, give me one second, because... It's it's more of a breakup song, I'd say, but I came across it and I just can't get enough of it. Oh, Jefferson right Starship. Now. Okay. For some reason, I always confuse them with Jefferson Airplane. 
Which yeah. I think is completely valid because it's it the same name and then a different aircraft? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you're partially right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'll have to give that... I've heard of Jefferson Starship, but I haven't heard this song, so that's definitely it's, something... It's a breakup song? Yeah, it's massive. This, this has 54 million streams, yeah. and it's from 1979. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I will be taking, checking it out. All right. I'm going to reference my, my last, my last recommendation is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, I haven't listened to it in, like, maybe a year for some reason, and it popped up on Shuffle, and man... Oh, it felt so good. And that's Swamp by Brockhampton. Wow. Uh, <laughs> fucking commas up from the outside. Wow. One of the greatest hooks of all time. <laughs> that's like one of our first freaking phrases. That in yeah. our, sp- our, sp- our shooter speak Spanish. Yeah. No, that Jesus is. Jesus Christ. I-, I stand by that is one of the best hooks of all time. And I got yeah, go to Brockhampton. Yeah. <laughs> Here we uh, go. That's a classic. Yeah, that's a classic. Saturation 2, definitely a classic. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I'll give it to you. You know what? I'll give it to you. All right. Uh, Jeff, do you want to plug anything before you go? Oh, well, you can go give me a follow on Facebook at Jeff on Star 105.5 or follow me on Instagram we'll at sure. Jeff McHugh 91. Send me the links. We'll make sure we put that in the episode description. Yes, sir. You got it. All right. That's all I want to plug. Yeah. No, that's it. Well, that's all you got, and that's all we got. So this was a fun week. This was a real easy podcast because it was just something we did. Yep. I knew it was going to (laughs) be. Yeah. No. And, yeah, thank you for listening to us rant about Lollapalooza. And until they announce the lineup next year, where we inevitably complain about it. (laughs) And still go. (laughs) And then still go. Yeah. Although I think we'll, we'll, we I, I hope next year we're at least a little bit more honest with ourselves. <laughs> okay, that's true. That is true. You we know? won't be, but because <laughs> like at, my defense, but for myself this year was one. I had the pandemic in between the last time I went to Lala and that. But no, now we're gonna talk shit and then still go. Bye, everybody. <laughs>